Well, welcome. Welcome to Christ Church. I'm Todd Schlecht, the transitional lead pastor. We are in our fifth week of a sermon series. We're calling this sermon series Faith Rocks. In this sermon series, we take a 300-year-old Wesley sermon. Today we're looking at one from Charles Wesley and not John Wesley. We thematically try to connect that with a 40-year-old rock song, this uh, Pete Townsend song from 1980 today. And we do those two things to try to illuminate a faith rock, a foundational Christian theological idea that's kind of foundation in our faith. And, and today we're talking again about this new life, this new birth that God has for us in a sermon that Charles Wesley preached in 1792, and the sermon is called um, Awake Thou That Sleepest. I'm just calling it Wake Up. The band has been awesome. I want to thank the band and Milton and everybody this morning filling in. Great job. They've been awesome throughout the whole series. And today with the Pete Townsend song, great. Uh, Pete Townsend uh, and The Who, this is Pete Townsend's solo, but Pete Townsend and The Who really kind of helped me get through my middle school years. So a shout out to Pete Townsend as well before I say what I'm going to say. The, the, the song is, is, is it's such a cute song. It's got a simple chorus of my love opened the door, my love opened the door, my love opened the door. But I love the bridge. I just want to say it to you again. The bridge says, the only key to your heart that can stop you from falling apart, try today. You'll find a way. Come on and give me a chance to say, let my love open the door. It's all I'm living for. Release yourself from misery. There's only one thing that can set you free. It's my love. And of course, Pete Townsend, I don't think, is talking about the love of God that we have in Jesus Christ. It, it kind of sounds like it. And, and, you know, when I've sung this song as a Christian, I kind of imagine, you know, it's God saying, let my love open the door to your heart. I don't think Pete Townsend was thinking about that. I'm not exactly sure, but he's giving expression, I think, to this foundational idea that all of us need someone to release us from misery. All of us need someone to set us free, and ultimately we know that love is in Jesus Christ. This song, Let My Love Open Your Door, is the most popular of Pete Townsend's, all of Pete Townsend's solo uh, work. In fact, it's the only Pete Townsend solo song that made it in the top 10 on the U.S. tracks, and it was one of the songs on an album that was released in 1980 called uh, empty Glass. Anybody own that album? If you do, this is going to be a familiar picture. The Empty Glass album has this album cover here. You see it up there. You see it here if you're at home. Pete Townsend's Empty Glass. The picture is eerie, isn't it? It's so reminiscent. I put it up there next to Da Vinci's uh, Last Supper. It's so reminiscent to me of Da Vinci's Last Supper. You have this messianic kind of figure in the middle with the halo around, and in this case, like these model-type sexualized disciples looking like here on either side. There's a, a cup here, a glass in this case, and a bottle of wine, and you know, the, the Da Vinci with Jesus in the middle, the disciples, and the cup on the table. And the, the album cover was called the album itself is called Empty Glass. This is where Let My Love Open the Door debuted. It came out later as a single, but it debuted on this album. Pete Townsend was asked about this album. And in 1998, in an interview, Pete Townsend was asked what this album means. And he says, I called it Empty Glass because of this idea that when you go to a tavern, which is to God, you know, 
and you ask for his love, he's the bartender, you know, and he gives you a drink, and what you have to give him is an empty glass. You know, there's no point in giving him your heart if it's already full. That's Pete Townsend talking about why he named this album Empty Glass. He says, you know, when you go to a, 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 a bar, a, a tavern, which is like going to God, he says, he's got this, all, this idea in his mind, these two things. And when you go to the bartender who is like God, when you give God or the bartender this empty glass, your glass has to be empty. There's no point in going to the bar or going to, to God in this case if your glass isn't empty because God's got to fill. God can't fill. And you think, man, maybe he's getting it. And then you realize, you know, the album cover, he kind of images himself as that messianic figure. Let my love open the door. The only thing you're searching for, it's my love. Well, 250 years before Pete Townsend sang this song, Charles Wesley, the younger brother of John Wesley, preached a sermon on a similar topic. It's called Awake Thou That Sleepest. I'm calling it Wake Up. And, and Charles Wesley was trying to show us the same idea, that there's a reality out there. The, the, there's something that can set us free from misery. There's something that can open us up to a new life, a new reality. And it's, it's God's love in Jesus Christ that can awaken us to something brand new. Charles Wesley was... John Wesley's younger brother by four years. He was also an Oxford graduate, an Oxford theological student. He's also a missionary in Georgia with John Wesley in the colony of Georgia in the 1730s. He was also a field preacher and evangelist. And um, he preached this sermon in 1742 at St. Mary's Church on Oxford University. And his main idea is it's time to wake up. He's preaching to theological students and fellow faculty uh, at Oxford University, and his point is, it's time to wake up spiritually. His primary text was Ephesians 5, verses 6 through 14. So I'm going to read it for you, Ephesians 5, 6 through 14. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons or children of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to God. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That last verse, verse 14, I'll read it again. Awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will will shine on you. That Ephesians 14, that's kind of the 514, that's kind of the main verse that Charles Wesley got this idea of coming awake spiritually, of coming out of spiritual slumber into life. That, though, that verse on the text you see is in parentheses. And the reason it is is because Bible scholars believe that that was part of an ancient hymn 
This book was written in 60 AD. So in 40, 50 AD, there was this ancient Christian hymn that the Christians would sing when they got together on Sunday mornings, early in the mornings to celebrate Jesus and his power. That Christians would sing when they had funerals for those they loved. Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And Paul takes this song that they know and sticks it in here and says, that's what it's like. All of us live in this spiritual slumber until we meet Christ. All of us live in this kind of outside of this reality that's all around us, but we don't see it. In fact, the whole text is about what's visible and not visible, what, what's awake and asleep. Two times in the text, the word darkness is used. Five times the word light is used. One time the word secret is used. Two times the word exposed is used. You see it there. Two times the word visible is used. And the idea is, is that before we meet Christ... We're spiritually asleep. We're napping. Our eyes are closed. Our windows are shut. And we don't see the reality that's out there. That all we know is this natural reality, this temporal reality, the broken reality of this world. This is our whole life. But the idea is that there's a, it's invisible to us, but there's a whole spiritual reality out there. And when you're in this spiritual sleep, it feels normal, Right? It's, it feels normal that God's not interested in our lives. It feels normal that God's far off. It, it feels normal that the world is broken and this is all that we have and the life is temporal and all you get is these 80 years or whatever. That, all that kind of feels normal. There's little, little inclinations in our soul that says, no, there's got to be something more out there. But when you're in this slumber, the spiritual slumber state, that's all you know. And then when Christ comes into our life and Christ shines his light on our lives, all of a sudden we wake up and we realize there's a whole spiritual realm out there. There's an eternity out there. There's a, there's a new life, a new world out there. And, th- and that's what this sermon's all about. And Wesley's talking to these folks in church in, at, at Oxford University. He says, wake up. I don't, I don't want you to miss it. There, there's so much more to life. Wake up and see it. Wesley builds this sermon really around um, three different questions. Um, first question is, who's, who are the spiritually asleep? The second question is, uh, what's God's call or God's message to the spiritual sleepers? And the third question is, what is God's promise for those who are spirit, who awake from spiritual sleep? So we're going to go through each one of these, and uh, I hope this is edifying to you. First one, question number one on your sermon notes, who is spiritually asleep? And the answer that Wesley gives us is we have all been spiritually asleep. Every one of us, we have all been spiritually asleep. Who's spiritually asleep? We've all been spiritually asleep. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, sometime in our life, are spiritually asleep. In fact, all of us are born into this spiritual sleep state, this spiritual slumber. Every one of us who's born 
in the likeness of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were made spiritually. They knew God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They lived in this garden. But after they sinned, they were removed from the garden and out of God's presence. And this spiritual slumber came over God's creation so that we, we don't walk with God in the same way. We don't know the spiritual reality that's in our midst. And, and all of us who are born in the likeness of Adam and Eve are born into this state of spiritual slumber where we don't know God in that way. We don't walk with God in that way. We don't have God's Spirit alive in our heart in a way that we can understand where we live in this state of spiritual slumber, whether we realize it or not. And for a lot of us, we don't realize it. Um, you, ever, you ever had a dream that was so vivid, so real, that when you were in that dream, it felt like reality? You ever had a dream like that? You were asleep, you're in bed, but in that dream, you thought it was real. You, you've been there, you know what I'm talking about? That's, you're in the middle of the dream, and when you wake up, you're like, whoa, because it felt so real. Do you ever... You ever see the movie Inception? How many guys have seen the movie Inception? It's a pretty good movie. It's what I'm it's probably 15, 20 years old now. It's pretty, pretty good movie. Here's a, a picture of it. Leo DiCaprio. Um, the thing that makes Inception kind of an, an engaging movie is that it's built on this idea that that there's these dreams. And when people go into these dreams, their mind is working and it's transfer- it could change a person's mind. But when they're in these dreams, they don't realize it. The way the movie starts is that they're in a dream and they're acting in this dream. And then they come alive, but when they're in the dream, you don't realize they're in the dream. And then as the movie goes on, the actors kind of move in and out of these dreams. And, and you don't always know when they're in a dream or when they're not in a dream. Um, and they themselves don't always know. And so they have to carry these little tokens that they roll or whatever so, so they can know the tokens tell them whether they're in the dream or not. And, uh, and then even at the very end of the movie, when you think it's all over and they've come out of the dream, there's this little, it's unclear whether the whole thing was a dream. And, and, the, and the thing that makes it so real is I think all of us know that feeling. That when you're in that dream, it feels so real. It feels so true. And, and when you think back on it, there's always things that, that, that showed you it wasn't real. But there, and, and Wesley says that that is our normal human state. We live like spiritually asleep. We don't see what is happening in the spiritual realm around us. Our whole life, we're kind of spiritually asleep, but we don't know it. It feels real when you're in it. It feels like this is all there is. You know that feeling? Maybe before you knew Christ or even now, like this is all there is. God, God's not interested in our lives. There's nothing happened spiritually here. I don't know if there's anything in eternity. There, there's, there's all these question marks out here, but this is what I know, right? This is the life I know. It's, and, and Wesley says, it's a dream. We've we got to wake up. There's a reality that Scripture tells us about. There's a reality out here, but we're spiritually asleep. And so Wesley's message to us is to wake up. Question number two. Question number one is who is spiritually asleep? And the idea is that all of us are spiritually asleep. Before I get to question number two, uh, Wesley says that um, people that we would consider like violent sinners, they're spiritually asleep. 
people that we would consider like average people, people that would go to church on, on, at Oxford University on a Sunday morning. Wesley says they're spiritually asleep. And he says even, even spiritual leaders, even Pharisees and scribes, even priests and pastors can be spiritually asleep. You can know a lot about God without having that reality opened up to you of who God is personally. So Wesley's second question, and this is Roman numeral two in your sermon notes, is what is God's call to the spiritual sleepers? What's God's message? If you're spiritually asleep, what is God trying to say to you? What's God's message to you when you're spiritually asleep? And the message is, wake up. (laughs) There's, There's more to life. Wake up. God's not condemning spiritual sleepers. God's not hostile to spiritual sleepers. God's inviting spiritual sleepers to a new life, an awoken life, a new reality. Come out of that dream. If you saw the Inception movie, you know that as part of the movie, Leo DiCaprio's character has a wife. Now, we find out later on that the wife died. At least we think she's died. It's hard to know because you don't know if you're in the dream or out of the dream. But we think she's dead. But for a good part of the movie, they were stuck in a dream state. And Leo DiCaprio is begging his wife, come, come, come out of this. It's not real. Wake up with me into real life. He's like, we've got kids. We have a life out here awake. We have to come out of this dream but she doesn't want to come out of this dream. It's, it's actually drug-induced dream. It's kind of weird. But they want to come out of this dream into this, real, into this reality that's out here. And that's God's message to us. Is that there's, there's, a, there's a life out here that we're going to completely miss if we keep our eyes closed, if we just slumber through life. So we hear his call. He's calling to us. His message is, wake up. And Wesley says that there's two ways that we hear God's call. One way is to evaluate your spiritual condition, is to judge yourself, is to look at your life, is to judge your life against the Scripture, judge your life against the New Testament, judge your life against the gospel. What, what's my spiritual state compared to what the gospel teaches the spiritual state of a child of God is. Have you ever done that? You ever read like the book of Acts and you say, whoa, God was working in those people's lives in a kind of more intense way than I experienced God in my life. That's judging yourself. That's evaluating yourself. That's realizing God was doing something real there. Is God doing that in my life? Evaluate your spiritual condition. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. And so Wesley says, take a spiritual examination. Like when you go to the doctor for your physical and they examine your body, they're looking, they want to see, is this a healthy person or is this an unhealthy person? Does this person have disease? Or are they? And they're looking, you know, he says, do, do a spiritual examination of your life. Ask yourself, do I love God? Do I love other people? Am I living out the gospel life? And when the scripture talks about living out the gospel life, it doesn't mean in this kind of um, subjective way, like whatever we think gospel life should look like. That it's, it, what, it, what it's talking about is, is, am I living out this gospel life? Am I living the life that scripture calls us to? How does my life live up to or live next to 
the life that I see in Scripture. To go back to this illustration I'm using all the way through, have you had those moments when you were asleep, and there you are asleep, and you're in a dream? You ever had this? And the dream's so vivid. I've already asked you this question. I'm going to take it a little further. The dream's so vivid that you've, the dream feels like reality. You've, ha- you've had that, right? And then something happens, and you wake up from the dream. You ever had this? And when you wake up from the dream, your awakened state doesn't feel normal, right? When, when you were asleep, you were in that dream, and you were wherever you were. I, I used to have this recurring dream, this Judge me as you will. I'm judging myself here, evaluating myself. Judge I used to have this dream. I went to JMU like 30 years ago. So at, way back then, they used to have these post-off boxes. Some of you guys that went to JMU, they were in the bottom of the union, and they'd have these post-off boxes. And you have to go to the post-office box, and you open it up, and you get your mail out. You have to do this every day because then that's how you got information from the university as well as letters from people. So I had this recurring dream of in the middle of the night, I'd be dreaming and I'd be going to my post office box. This is like 20 years later. And I kept forgetting the combo. I couldn't, I could see there's a little tiny window. I could see in there that there was stuff I needed to get, but I could not figure out the combo how to open up. So that, that's a recurring dream I had. Anyways, you, you're in that dream and you feel like you're at JMU, even though I'm sleeping in my bed here and I wake up and for a moment, you're like, well, where am I, right? Because I thought I was in the university post office. And you wake up and you're like, oh. And it takes a moment to figure out, no, I'm in bed. I went to sleep last night. I'm still in the same place. I'm st-. You ever had that? Where you wake up and you're confused. And Wesley says, the same way you, ha- the same way you have to evaluate for a minute where you are and what reality is. Wesley says, we've got to evaluate ourselves spiritually. Am I awake spiritually? How do I know? 30 years ago, when I was 17 years old, Christ came into my life and I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I came alive spiritually. But am I awake spiritually right now? How could, how could I know? And, and Wesley says, judge yourself. Evaluate yourself. Do I love God? Do I love my neighbor? Am I living out this gospel life? Am I living in the reality of the Holy Spirit working through my life? Is the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in my life? So number one, how do we hear God's voice, God's call to wake up? Number one, evaluate your spiritual condition. Number two, learn to listen to God's voice. Second way is to learn to listen to God's voice. And so Wesley says, evaluate yourself against God's word, the scripture, especially the the Scripture that's about the New Testament gospel church, but also learn to listen to God's voice, the Holy Spirit. God has an objective voice. God has a subjective voice. Learn to listen to God's Holy Spirit. Hebrews 3.15 says, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. This is in the New Testament in Hebrews. This plea to New Testament Christians and people who are exploring the faith. Don't harden your heart to God. If the Holy Spirit is talking to you, allow that Spirit to speak to you. Allow God to communicate. You Don't harden your heart. That verse kind of echoes through the whole Scripture. I'll show you. In Psalm 95, 7 and 9, you hear the same message. For He is our God, and we are His people, the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, 
If you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Maribel, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when the fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. This was a psalm. So the psalms were written like in the time of David, like 900 B.C., Hebrews was written around 70 A.D. to the New Testament church. Both of them are referring way back to the Exodus when the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt and Moses went down and through miracles and mighty hand of God brought them out of Egypt and was leading them into the promised land, into freedom, into this covenant with God. And the people did what? They rebelled against God. They complained about God and they hardened their heart to God. And, and, and that's what the Maribel and the Massa, in Maribel and Massa in the Sinai Peninsula, they're on their way to the promised land. They started crying out to Moses and God, complaining, you brought us out of Egypt. We liked it in Egypt. We liked our old life. We liked our spiritual slumber. We liked our enslavement. Because at least in Egypt, we had food to eat and water to drink. And now you've brought us out here to die. And Moses is like, no, no, don't harden your heart to God. God's going to give you manna from heaven. God's going to give you quail to eat. God's going to give you water from the rock. Don't harden your heart to God. Keep your heart soft to God. But the people, they'd harden their heart to God. And that's a warning to us. That God can be working in your heart. God can be offering you a new life. God can be offering you salvation. God can be leading you through the the, the parting of the waters, which is baptism, and into this new life, and yet still we can fall back asleep into this spiritual slumber and miss what God has for us. And so we have to soften our heart, open our ears to hear God's call. What is God's call like? That's the question. Well, God's wake-up call most often isn't like an alarm clock going, that's not God's typical way of speaking to us. God's wake-up call isn't like somebody who takes you and shakes you or at boot camp when the uh, officer comes in and, and yells at everybody. It's not. God's call is usually subtle in our lives. When I was a kid, I always enjoyed it when my mother woke me up in the morning and not my father because my father's wake-up call was all sometimes my dad had this like crazy midwestern work ethic he still does he's almost 80 years old and he still wants to do everything himself but I'd sleep in a little bit in the morning and he would on a Saturday morning open up my door and start vacuuming my room as a way of just saying, you should be up doing your chores. It's, so my dad's wake-up call was not very... My mom, when she would wake me up, she'd come into my room quietly on a school day and she'd rub my face with her hand or she'd rub my, her fingers through my hair and she'd say, wake up, honey. The school bus is going to be here in 15 minutes. I got breakfast ready for you. Even now when I go to my mom's house sometimes, in the morning she'll get up before me and she'll cook bacon and I'll smell the bacon. I'll know oh, it's going to get up. It's going to be a good day. She's got this big slab bacon from like the uh, uh, butcher at the farm near their house in Augusta County. And it's, that's, that's how God speaks to us. God's wake-up call is subtle. And so we have to open ourselves up, like our, our spouse who, when the alarm clock goes, over, uh, goes off, leans over to us and gives us a little kiss or a little tap and says, honey, it's time to get up. 
It's not, it's not the spouse. So your spouse may be like, turn that thing off. The kids are going to wake up. No, they're, they're, when the, the, God's wake-up call is subtle. It's loving. It's gracious. And so we have to tune our ears to hear God's call. We have to learn to listen to the gentle call of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's number one, wake up. Who's spiritually asleep? We all are. Number two, what's God's call to spiritual sleepers? Wake up, but it's not wake up. It's wake up, wake up. I've got something for you. And number three, what's God's promise to those who wake up? God's promise to those who wake up is that Christ will shine on you. This is Roman number three on your sermon notes. Christ will shine on you. If you wake up, if we wake up from this spiritual slumber, if we wake up to the spiritual reality that's all around us in our lives, wherever you are spiritually, wherever you are physically right now, if you wake up to God's reality, Christ will shine on you. That's Ephesians 5.14, this ancient hymn. For this reason, it says, Paul says, for this reason, it says, remember we sing this song together, for this reason, the song says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. God's not angry with you. God's not ready to crush you. God's not going to come over you when you're asleep and shake you and threaten you. If you don't get out of that bed, you know, God, God invites us, wake up. It's going to be a beautiful day. Jesus is going to shine on you. Christ is going to shine his light on you. And Wesley goes through and he, he kind of extapor, ext- I don't know the word I want to use there. I'm going to keep going. Jesus, Wesley says, God's, God's got three promises in that little verse of Christ will shine on you. Number one, what does it mean? Christ will give you his light. Christ will give you his light. Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and a deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Get up. Christ will illuminate your life. God's glory will shine on you. The glory that came down in the temple wants to come down on you. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says something similar. For God, who said, light shall shine out of the darkness, right? In, in creation, God created light, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Light will shine on you. Christ wants to wake you up and illuminate your life to the spiritual reality around you. Like when we get up in the morning, this morning I woke up early. On Sunday morning I have to get up early, get ready to church. I, I got up at, at 5.45, I think, and it's still pitch black, you know. The, our shades are drawn and it's dark outside anyways. And so my wife's still asleep, so I'm trying to, you know, just feel my way over to the bathroom so I can turn on the light in there and not wake her up. And you know how that is in the, in the morning when it's dark, you kind of stumble over the furniture or step on the dog or run into the wall and you're trying to that's what it would be like if we were trying to open ourselves up to a spiritual reality on our own 
But the promise of Scripture is no. Christ is going to open up those shades. Christ is going to turn on that light. Christ is going to shine on you. He's going to give you his illumination, his light. The second thing that, that comes out of that verse, Christ is going to shine on you, is that Christ will give you his presence. That's the second promise. When we open ourselves up, when we awaken from our spiritual slumber, Christ will give you his presence. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. God's going to give us a new spiritual heart. God's going to give us a new spirit. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinance. This verse came 800 years, 700 years before the coming of Christ in the New Testament church. And there's this promise that if we open ourselves up to what God wants to do in us in Jesus Christ, he will give us his Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, eternally God, came down from heaven in the incarnation and took on human flesh so that we could be with God and God could be with us. Jesus' spiritual name in that sense is Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus walked with his disciples and he taught them and he ate with them and it was God in the flesh with them. But Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go to the Father and it's better for you if I go to the Father because then I'm going to send my spirit and my spirit is going to live inside of you. That God with us who used to be next to us is now going to be God with us, the third person in the Trinity, living inside of us. And our bodies are going to become his spiritual temple. Our bodies are going to be filled like the sanctuary, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And God's going to reside in us, and we are going to be his. And, and that's what the promise of Scripture is. That when we awaken, awaken spiritually, Christ will give us his presence. And then the third, this is the last, we're wrapping up here, the third promise of God is that Christ will make you spiritually alive. Christ will make you spiritually alive. When we awaken spiritually, Christ will make us spiritually alive. John 14, 16 through 18 says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, and He may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. God wants to give us this new birth, this new spiritual life. God wants to take our dormant bodies, our dormant lives, and, and raise them up to a new life, a resurrected life, that we begin to live out right now in this new spirit, this new reality that's in us. This comforter, this counselor, what the scripture says, this helper that God's going to give us to birth this new life within us. And the point of all this is that it's time to wake up. We may be in church all our lives. We may have woken up 30 years ago. We may have, this may be brand new material for us. We're, we're a, a church person, we're a religious person, we're the type of person that would turn on a, a church service on a Sunday morning or come out to a church service, and yet we've never really experienced this spirituality. We may even be skeptics, thinking, is this even real, you know? 
I, I know what's real. I can see what's real around me. The truth is it's a dream. What we see, what we experience is a dream compared to the reality, the eternal reality of what God's doing in the world. And Wesley, 250 years ago, says the same thing the gospel was saying 2,000 years ago. And it's the same thing that Pete Townsend was talking about. We need something that can set us free. We need something that can deliver us from this misery of life that we're in. And the scripture says it's this new life that God offers us. Just wake up, and it's right there. It can be hard to wake up. I know that on a, on a Sunday morning, it can be hard to get up. On a Monday morning for you guys, you're in bed and it's warm and you don't really want to go to work and you're like, oh, I think I'll just sleep in today. It, it can be hard to wake up. It can be scary to wake up spiritually. You, you may resonate with what I'm saying, but you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want my life to get crazy. I don't want to act like those people. I don't. And it, it can be scary. God's calling to you. Like a, like a spouse nudging you, saying, my beloved, it's a great day. Get up. Like a parent rubbing her or his hand on your cheek, saying, I got so much more for you. Get up. It's going to be great. God has a life and a reality and a new heart and a new spirit out there. It's a promise that if we wake up, Christ will shine his light on you. Let's pray that might be so. Lord God, we thank you that you gave us this life and you offer us a new life. I just believe, Lord, that you have so much more in store for us. I just believe that if we can open our eyes and see the spiritual reality you have, that you've got a life and an eternity and a promise, that we can know you, know your will, which is good and perfect and pleasing. And so in this moment, I just say, Lord, awaken my heart. May that be your prayer as well in each one of us. God, awaken my heart. Christ, shine on me. Fill me with your illumination, with your presence, with this new life that I might be yours, that I might live out this gospel life that you invite me to. I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Every Sunday we talk about 